Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Elizabeth Yarnell, who's on a mission to redefine autoimmunity and MS. Elizabeth is a traditional naturopath and a certified LEAP therapist. And today we're talking about how autoimmunity is a wake-up call, not a death sentence. And there's so much we can do to reduce inflammation and feel better. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I'm excited to be chatting today. I am as well. I would love for you to share your inspiring story with listeners because this is why we do this and they need to hear it. Well, for me, my story began in 1999. It was a cold January night and I had been working on a newspaper article that I was writing. I was a freelance journalist and into late into the night. And at the end, I had felt like it was time to go to bed. I printed out my article. I was pretty happy with my draft. But as I scanned it over, as I was brushing my teeth, I noticed that, that there are three spots that I wanted to make small changes to the to the text. But it was late and I was tired. So I thought I'll do it in the morning. And I set it aside and went to sleep. But when I woke up the next morning and set down my printout next to my coffee, it was almost like a fairy had come in, not a fairy, a goblin had come in yeah. in the night and erased big portions of the text. I couldn't make out the words. I couldn't understand what it was even trying to say on the paper. And I couldn't find the places that I knew I needed to make those edits. And I had a deadline looming. So I had to end up submitting what I knew in my heart was substandard work, but I couldn't for the life of me figure out what I had been thinking the night before. And I wasn't sure at all what was going on. I felt very confused and frightened. I went into the eye doctor and he diagnosed me with optic neuritis or inflammation of the optic nerve and shuffled me off right away into an MRI where I then came out to a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. And wow. I, yes, I can't, wow. Kind of all in the span of a day. So it happened very fast. That's, uh, that's almost literally the opposite of what you hear most people go through in a journey, you know, where it's doctor after doctor, test after test. And, but I'm, I have goosebumps up and down my arms. I just can't even imagine, you know, what that felt like. And, and so where did you go from there? So I went and I saw an MS specialist flew across the country. By that point, that was a couple of weeks later. And I was com- completely blind in my right eye. I'd lost all sight. In fact, when I got to that MS specialist, he stood me in front of the eye chart on the wall and he said, okay, cover your 
cover your eye and and with my good eye I could read the whole chart and then he said okay well cover cover your good eye and I looked at it and I'm like I don't even see a chart like I literally just saw a white wall like just whiteness it's completely blind in that eye it was super frightening because my whole life had been about reading and writing I was a journalist what was I going to do if I couldn't read or write? I was going to have to find a whole new career. I had to offer my fiance a way to get out of, of our contract to get married because this isn't what he had signed up for. This isn't a life that he that he foresaw when he proposed to me. There was so much that was so frightening and uncertain in those times. It was really scary. Besides the fact that I learned that 80% of MS patients experience significant disability within 10 years of diagnosis. And here I was, I was two weeks before my 30th birthday. And I, by my 40th birthday, I could be in a wheelchair. It was just really horrific. The doctors didn't really have any good advice for me. They just said, okay, well, we don't know why MS happens. We don't know how to fix it. We consider it to be incurable. They showed me this chart in their office. And basically, it's a downhill slope. If you have MS, you start up here like a normal person, and you just go straight to the bottom of the slope until you eventually die from your disabilities. And Great according prognosis to, for a young woman. <laughs> according to the best doctors, there was nothing I could do really to change this. I could try one of the disease modifying therapies. At that time, there were three. They were all injectable, but they all had incredibly low efficacy rates. So now we're, as a population, a little more familiar. What does efficacy rate mean? Well, efficacy rate means, right, how, how well it works. Right. And an efficacy rate of like 23% means it probably doesn't work that well. I mean, even an efficacy rate of 50% means, well, you 50-50 chance. Maybe. Kind of. <laughs> right. right. Maybe. <laughs> Coin toss. And yeah. they weren't, they weren't going to cure the disease. They were only going to hopefully slow it down. So my father is a neurologist, of course, it's the classic. Classic irony of my life that my father is a brain doctor and I get a brain degenerative brain disease. But he really felt strongly that I should go on one of these disease modifying therapies because that was all the only hope they had. Right. The only hope. And I did, but the side effects were horrible, horrible. For three years, I had hives all over my body. A good day was 30 hives. A bad day was 300 hives. Oh. By the end of the time that I was taking the medication, every time I injected, I would have a seizure. So, And you kept, <laughs> you kept doing it? <laughs> well, again, At the time, I, yeah. I was scared sure. because the problem with MS, as you know, is that it's capricious and it's uncertain. And According sure. to the medical world, I'm sorry, I have this whining dog here. I can't, I'm <laughs> waiting for mine to answer. It's all good. We have full conversations on this show. <laughs> okay, good. Let's see if I can just pull her up here. And, and okay. I said that a bit to be a bit of a devil's advocate. I mean, I, when I think of, you know, with my RA journey, how sick some of those medications made me. And it, it, it wasn't until <laughs> for me, 
one of the medications, they started running commercials on TV for one of the medications I was on. And my kids knew I was on that medication. And, you know, then they give you the kind of the side effects at the end of the, at the end of the ad. And when they start talking about lymphomas and cancers and possible death. And of course I knew that when I was taking the medication, but to have your kids here, you know, I'm taking it so I can stay with them, right. And be active (laughs) and active might be an over overreach, but you know, participate in their lives. So, so clearly you're no longer on that medication. No, I felt my body was telling me very clearly that I should not be on the medication, that it did not want me to be taking this. And every time I would ask my doctors, you know, well, what can I be doing to make my future better? They would say, well, there's really nothing you can do. You can kind of go sit home on the couch and wait for your body to disintegrate on you and take this drug. And hopefully it'll slow down the pace, but it's not going to stop it. And I thought, well, <laughs> that's depressing. And so I, I'm not the kind of person who can just sit around and wait for things to happen to me. It was actually my fiance at the time who first suggested to me that maybe my diet might have something to do with the state I was in. For the entire wow. decade. Of, <laughs> yeah, he was... See? <laughs> He was a he was a competitive athlete. He was into organic foods and cooking from scratch and all these things that I really wasn't into in my 20s. I I was a girl on the go and I either ate fast food or or ate out or just skipped the meal and the only staple foods I kept in my apartment were Crystal Light, Diet Coke and gummy bears. Knowing you now, I, that's so hard to imagine, but I love that you included that because people look at me and they think like, you were just born eating this way. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. I had to learn the hard, the very hard way, just like you did. Um, exactly. So it is, it is. I'm so glad really that you included that, you know, sitting down at a meal with you again, I can't imagine you being <laughs> those colored fake things, but I, I get it. I, I, I can relate. So where did you start with those changes? So I started first by researching because that's my nature. And I started reading books from like the Mayo Clinic and the ADA And well, what is a healthy diet? Because even my doctor was like, well, everybody should have a healthy diet, but who knows what that is. And my dad certainly didn't know what a healthy diet was. He he's the fan of of Hershey's Kisses. That's often his meal during a work day. So I, I, I studied all these sources and I really was able to see pretty clearly that the common denominators of a healthy diet were that whole foods were better than processed foods, Yay. which is right, which is one of my ma- mantras now, for sure. Whole foods are better than processed foods. But then I had to figure out, well, I didn't really know how to cook. So I started taking cooking classes and watching the Food Network, which was in its infancy at the time. So good. And, right. But pretty quickly recognizing that cooking from scratch was incredibly time and labor intensive. And I had MS. So fatigue is a hallmark of MS. So that's when I became what I call an accidental inventor. And I invented and actually received a patent for 
a method of cooking that uses a cast iron Dutch oven and flash cooks at high heat inside the oven. And it uses all whole foods in a variety of combinations. And it's almost foolproof. You can kind of see it behind me. My cookbook is Glorious One Pop Meals. And that's where I introduce and teach this cooking method. And there are more than 70,000 home cooks who enjoy how quick and easy it makes cooking from scratch, cooking with whole foods instead of processed foods, and eating healthier really in a, in a jiffy. It's just super fast and easy. I love that. And that also, you know, really breaks that misconception of you said it, you know, cooking from scratch is hard, but it, it doesn't have to be complicated. And we don't need these fancy, you know, 300 ingredient recipes to sit down and enjoy a really delicious meal. And I, I have found and I see it time and time again with my clients, I'm sure you do as well. As we get off the processed foods and those artificial ingredients, our taste buds change and real food actually tastes delicious without a whole lot of added, you know, flavors and it's extra true. steps. Really, yeah. right. Really clean foods and clean eating as it's at its core, what it's really supposed to mean. Yes. So yeah. in my cookbook, I like to say you can build your recipe in about 15 minutes and then you throw it into the oven for 45 minutes and and you don't touch it that time. You don't want to open it at all. And when it comes out, it looks like you use four or five different pots and pans. It's not a stew. It's not a casserole. It's a completely different, unique method of cooking, which is why the patent office gave me a patent. I love that. That's amazing. That's how I do my Thanksgiving turkey. It's don't don't open the oven. It's in there the for the day. <laughs> Nobody touch it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So... How, how then does that lead to, you know, I'm going to help other people turn this around and, and share with listeners, you know, health wise, where you are now? Oh, I'll, I'll start with the spoiler is my health is amazing. Now I'm 50, 53. I did not, I have not experienced significant disabilities, even though I'm 23 years or so past diagnosis. And in fact, I have learned how to how to trigger flare-ups and how to recover from them. <laughs> I love that. That's the I love the way part. you put that. I've learned how to trigger, which means you've also learned how to not trigger. <laughs> exactly. But you know, even even me, I am hyper aware of everything that I'm exposed to. Even I can trigger things in myself when I am inadvertently exposed. But yes, so so my journey started with focusing more on whole foods than processed foods. And that really changed everything for me. And for a long time, I really thought that was probably the answer to chronic disease and multiple sclerosis is get off of processed foods and get away from all of the additives and preservatives that are in our food supply. I really feel like our food supply is contaminated. And in fact, I did a TEDx talk about this in 2014 called Poisons in Our Everyday Foods. And so I I still feel like this is a big foundational part of it, but there was more to it. And when I started having babies, my oldest, my firstborn was really sickly from the get-go. And I couldn't figure out what was going on with him because 
I made all of his food. Everything was organic. I even I made all of his baby food. He was such an incredible eater. He loves he loved to eat. But by the time he was six years old, he had fallen off the height and weight charts. He was a chronic vomiter. He would vomit like 20 times a week. It was insane, just throwing up all the time. And we took him to pediatric GI clinics. We took him, had his DNA mapped. We had abdominal x-rays done and nobody could figure out what was going on with him. He would vomit and then he would have this terrible, terrible constipation, sometimes go two weeks between bowel movements, which was incredibly painful wow. for him. Yeah. And so as a result of this physical discomfort he was in all the time, he really was kind of a dark child, just not super happy. Well, sure. Imagine. It would be. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> he didn't feel good most of the time and we couldn't figure out what it was. And finally, I took him to a naturopath and she suggested that we get this food sensitivity testing done. And I said, but he doesn't have anaphylaxis or hives. And she said, well, that would be food allergies. I'm really talking about food sensitivities that cause inflammation in the body. And I thought, I, this is <laughs> our, last, our last ditch effort. Let's try it. And when we got his test results back, it was really telling because it's still to this day, now I've done thousands of these tests, still the worst I've ever seen was wow. And he had fully a third of the items that were tested, he was reactive to. And there were some things that we had thought were so healthy for him and so yes. proud of him. As a six-year-old, he loved broccoli. That was one of his favorite foods, broccoli, really inflammatory for him, as well as things like lemon and garlic. Foods that we think of are very health-giving were inflammatory for him and were keeping him in a terrible state. Um, but as soon as we changed his diet and we removed the items that were inflammatory, the change was remarkable. He, yeah. Within two months, he had grown an inch and a half. He had gained 15 pounds. He had started sleeping through the night for the first time oh at six gosh. and a half years old. He had stopped wetting the bed. There was, I mean, just symptom after symptom had changed for him. And the biggest change I love to to kind of testify about was one day when I was walking past his room and I heard him singing to himself. Oh. He sang to himself when they're happy. Yes. And he, I had never heard him sing to himself before. Oh. So that really, that really was the the turning point for me where I thought, you know what? Everyone should do this. This is so such a life-changing experience that it deserves to be more widely available. And I was approaching my graduation from my traditional naturopath program, and I hadn't really decided what I wanted to do with my degree yet. And that became very clear that really what I wanted to do was bring this food sensitivity testing to people who were suffering from chronic inflammation and and autoimmune conditions like multiple sclerosis, because, wow, this is life-changing, life-changing. It is. And as you said, this is not MS specific. This is, it, it's funny when I was first practicing, we would, if we weren't getting the results we were looking for, I would then do food sensitivity testing. And now it's like, this is the first thing we do. Let's just get the results right away. Especially once you have autoimmunity, 
you have food sensitivities. There's yes, it, it, there's no question. And no question. That's a that's a we could do a whole episode on that. But I want I want to get to this idea of changing the conversation around autoimmunity because you say what I say, which is why I have this podcast to begin with. Autoimmunity is not a death sentence. It's a wake up call. And so let's let's talk about, you know, as you see it, what is autoimmunity and why do we need to change this conversation? So I like to call it, let's redefine, <clears throat> excuse me, let's redefine autoimmunity and, and multiple sclerosis and any other condition that's considered under that umbrella of autoimmunity. So if we look at the word autoimmune and we take it apart, we can see auto means self. And immune means allergic. So autoimmune means allergic to self. But evolution would say, nay, nay, that's that's not really. You cannot be allergic to yourself. So if if you can't be allergic to yourself, to your own body, then what is triggering these allergic or hypersensitivity reactions that start off the whole immune cascade? and which is inflammation through the body. And what I believe is that we have been looking in the wrong places, that any conventional doctor will tell you, well, we don't know why some people become autoimmune and some people don't. And we consider it to be unknown etiology, which means we don't know why it's happening. Right. Which is yeah. the most unhelpful thing, right? Because But here we have a lot of medications we can give you in the meantime. <laughs> right. We have yeah. these and for multiple sclerosis, the medications run about a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. And they have tremendous side effects, like I experienced in a lot of different ways. Some of them are even up to and including death from these medications and they're not the medications are not designed to heal you they're designed to tamp down your symptoms we call that palliative care right in the medical industry right it's just to give you relief from the symptoms but it doesn't doesn't stop what's making the symptoms happen in the first place and as a functional medicine practitioner what i'm interested in is the root cause, Why? what is, <laughs> right? What is, what's triggering those symptoms? And what I have found in my clinic is that there is, there are always triggers. There is something is triggering that symptom. There is no unknown, mysterious symptoms that are just happening. You don't know why, or they show up without rhyme or reason. There is always a trigger. So in my clinic, I call it the inflammation investigator because we are going to delve deep into your body and investigate what is causing, what is triggering your symptoms. And then once we can identify that, then we can remove that. I liken it to celiac disease. Right. So once people who have celiac disease realize that and they remove gluten from their world, then they can effectively live without symptoms and live a pretty normal life. But there's, a, to- there's a joke in our family. My my oldest has has a history very similar to yours. Um he he kind of got a reprieve through most of elementary school. 
where his health seemed pretty good. And, and we had been years away from the, the pediatric GI doctors and university hospitals and all the things. And, and then about fifth grade, he started getting sick again, not with GI symptoms. So it was kind of confusing. And he too, you know, would barely make the charts if you soaked them down with those and really weighed them down a lot. And so he was kind of the sick kid in the family. And it mm-hmm. took, as it does, unfortunately, you know, for him, it, it took until they finally biopsied him to diagnose the celiac. And now we joke, I mean, so literally at age 12, he stopped eating gluten because we knew. And he's now the healthiest one in the family. And the other two have other things that they manage and, and different, you know, different layers to their autoimmunity. But that's such a, like, clear cut. Look, this is triggering this. Stop it. (laughs) You can get better. Right. And we can do that. You know, I was, I was waving my hand for those of you listening on audio. I too have celiac. I did not know that until many, many years into my autoimmune journey. And so for me, it's not just gluten, right? I had other triggers I need to manage to keep my RA symptoms gone. And so but whether, you know, and, and I, I would say other than celiac, it's almost never one thing. I th- there's, you know, there's. I think even with celiac, it's sure. never just gluten. That might be the most prevalent thing that you right. can be exposed to just because wheat is, is so much a part of our daily world. But it's never just that. And when yeah. you have chronic inflammation as celiac and as autoimmune people do, it does damage to the digestive tract. And that's where 80 or more percent of our immunity comes from. And certainly all of our digestion and the more inflammation and damage there is the digestive tract, the more hypersensitivity reactions that person is going to have. And the more hypersensitivity reactions you have, the more symptoms you have. And now you're adding on another diagnosis of thyroid issues or whatever, skin issues or, you know, and then we see so many autoimmune patients with a, with a whole stack of, oh, I have this autoimmune condition. The snowball. Yep. (laughs) It's so true. And I, I always, it doesn't matter if, you know, I have these symptoms, but I haven't been diagnosed yet, or I do have that stack of diagnoses already doesn't matter the the matter. approach that I know that you take it works it, it this yes. is obviously if somebody's already listening you know they're clued in to the the there's there is a an approach outside of the western medicine approach you know that that actually can provide true healing but where do where do people start i mean you mentioned food is is huge right um, food is huge. And in fact, um, anyone who would like to can go to multiplesclerosisdiet.com and download a list of the top three items. I feel people with multiple sclerosis or other autoimmune or chronic inflammatory conditions should avoid like the plague. And wow. unfortunately, these items are so prevalent in our food supply. So when I talk to people about what they should or shouldn't eat, it's much clearer to talk about what you shouldn't eat um, than what you should. Because as I do the testing, I find some people are fine with blueberries. Some people are not fine with blueberries. Right. 
And that is unique to each person. But I think universally, our food supply has just been overcome and contaminated with chemical alterations. So my biggest piece of advice is start reading labels. And if there are things on labels that, first of all, that you can't pronounce, then you shouldn't be eating that. Right. But second of all, watch out for artificial sweeteners. So things like dextrose, sucralose, bertame, high fructose corn syrup, all of these things, these are fake. These are synthetic our bodies evolved on this planet to process the foods, the plants and things that are on the planet, not that come from two miles deep into the core where we would never have access to them. You know, food dyes and colors, for example, were first brought before the FDA in the 1930s. And at that time, they were sourced from coal. And now they're sourced oh. from petroleum. And there really haven't been studies that have found whether these things can, what are the safe levels to have? There are none. Petroleum products. (laughs) There really are none. No, no, there is no level of petroleum we should be consuming. (laughs) I mean, really. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's petroleum everywhere in all of our skincare products and sunscreens. And, uh, and of course, we're breathe- if you live in a city, every time you walk out the door, you're breathing in petroleum particulates in the air. So we are just exposed to so many toxins everywhere we turn. And it behooves us to try to eliminate and take control where we can, right? I love that. And, and we could do a whole nother episode. <laughs> diving into toxins outside of our food system. But I I love the, I always, and and I'm going to, unless you have, yeah, I'll give you the opportunity to say something different, but I always ask guests to give listeners that one step. And, And I love the one step that you gave as far as reading ingredients is literally life changing. And it, it, as you mentioned, it's not just the ingredients on your food. That's a, a the I think most essential place to start once yes. you've, you know, kind of strengthened that ingredient reading muscle, you know, <laughs> every product you buy, you know, don't, you know, don't fall for the marketing on the front of the package. You've got to turn it around and read those ingredients. So I, I love that is a life changing one step for sure. Because can I give a second one? Yes, you can. I said you could. (laughs) So yes, read the labels. And right now, one of my biggest things about the food industry is this loophole called natural flavors. Yes, thank you. It's killing me because there's nothing natural about natural flavors. If you were to be able to see the ingredients in a quote natural flavors, so there can be up to 30 or more chemicals that are creating that including things that are genetically modified, MSG, inflammatory, all sorts of chemicals. They Toxins. don't have to disclose it could be anything. Which and- so I see your natural flavors and I raise you a fragrance, <laughs> right? So oh my god, it's the same thing. It's, it's the same loophole, though. Natural flavors loophole. on your food label and fragrance on every other label, and mm-hmm. those those are the loopholes. That those are where companies get to quote, protect trade secrets by not telling you what's in there. And as you mentioned, it can be this slew 
of things you want to be avoiding. So I say, you know, I, I could not agree. And we didn't plan this, guys. <laughs> we didn't talk about it beforehand. Um, no, but fragrance is yeah. under under recognized because aromas are molecules also. And oh my gosh, don't even start me off on dryer sheets, right? <laughs> oh, just don't use them. Please Those don't commercials, use them. they kill me. Be- they're so toxic, <sighs> these commercials because they're like oh breathe in the scent of your laundry oh we're like we get a migraine just thinking about it (laughs) exactly and so you're bringing in all these you're breathing deeply bringing these molecules of these chemically designed fragrances down deep into your lungs where they can cause more irritation and add to your whole toxic load. So yes, dryer sheets are the devil's work. For sure. <laughs> Nobody should be using dryer sheets. But even our, our quote unquote cleaner or all natural, you know, cosmetics and products. I always joke, you know, lead is natural. I don't want it in my makeup, right? And it could be yep. if it's just labeled natural or green or clean. Or so the the yep. label reading really is is my my favorite is my my daughter when she was in high school went to the store on lunch break with a group of kids and wanted to get a snack and literally called me and said you have ruined my life like i wanted <laughs> to eat this whatever but then i turned it over and i read the ingredients and i'm yes i my job of motherhood well done <laughs> you know, um, you know so- one of my clients once texted me a picture of a label on a jar she was at the grocery store she's like can i eat this and i look at the label and i i'm like what is this and she's like, it's blueberry jam. I'm like, there are no blueberries on this label. <laughs> if you, There's another tip. If you look at the ingredients and you can't recognize what food it is by what's in it, don't buy it. It's yep. that's, that's wild. So I, I would love to continue our conversation. So I'm inviting you back because I know we have, we have so much more. <laughs> To share in in this redefining autoimmunity, redefining MS. For for those that are not familiar with you, they need to to check you out. For everybody that listens on the go and isn't going to hop into the show notes, where's the best place for them to find you? So the best place to find really everything about me is at my website, Elizabeth Yarnell, Y-A-R-N-E-L-L.com. And definitely keep your eyes open. My next book is coming out March 1st about multiple sclerosis and autoimmunity. Really a lot about what we just discussed. Okay. And so it sounds like we have to have you back right around (laughs) book launch time so that we can dig a little (laughs) deeper into the conversation. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. You have shared amazing gold. Well, I am so excited to be here. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. So yes. I'm really glad that we got it up. We got it on the calendar. I am as well. For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Please take Elizabeth's advice. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show 
or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.